before we get started, we wanted to read a quick disclaimer. First and foremost, this is a true crime slash comedy podcast. We're a couple of guys that like to laugh and crack jokes. We also understand that these topics are grim. We want to bring to life these real-life situations so that you, the listener, can be more aware of your surroundings and hopefully laugh alongside with us. We will not make jokes about the victims or their families impacted by these crimes committed, but we will make jokes about the perpetrator or where we see fit. If you don't believe that we should be making light of these topics or situations or enjoy banter on these topics, then this is not the podcast for you. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bloodthirsty Times. My name is Will. My name is Octavio, and the newest addition to the Bloodthirsty family, Emily. Yay. Yay. I should have had the yay. Yeah. Up. I'm sorry. Yay. I messed up. Anyways, in this week's episode, uh, we're going to cover yet another history murder from the 1920s. I'm on a roll two in, here. Two in a row for Will here. Yeah. I like the 20s, bro. The roaring yeah, the 20s. 20s. It's going to be a lover's tryst and the mystery surrounding this unsolved double homicide. The mystery surrounding this unsolved double homicide. So put on your Sunday best and join us in these bloodthirsty times. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. They are a product of the times and these are bloodthirsty times. All right, <clears throat> so first things first, uh, as you can tell by our intro, we have a very new member with us. And actually, if you've ever interacted with our um, social media at all, you've probably talked to her already without even knowing it because she pretends to be us all the time. But now she, doesn't, now she doesn't have to because she is one of us. Uh, Emily, she is my wife, and wow. uh, she's going to join us. We figured after the last episode, we really like the female perspective on some of these cases, you know. Kind of adds a little bit of flavor, not just a bunch of dudes talking into a mic. Mm-hmm. So, Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm just here because you're making me. That's it. We're going to redact that from the... <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I love this. It's going to be fun. And I really did like the female element of the last show also. I thought you guys did well interacting with other people besides yourselves. And I thought it brought a new audience, maybe. So hopefully this works out well. It's my first time though, so go easy on me, please. Mm. <laughs> 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 All right, now that we got that out of the way, Will, uh, what you got for us today? Um, did you guys watch the Netflix series, The Confession Killer? Yes. Did we? I did. Uh, Which one is that about? Is that uh, the that- guy who... What's his name? For like two hundred something murders, Henry. But he probably something. Henry Lee Lucas. Yes, I, I saw that a long time ago. Yeah, but he, from what I understand, he was just saying shit to say shit. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think he might have killed like, nine people. Well, yeah, they know like his mom, um, Becky, the first uh, chick that dismembered because he led him right to her burial site. Mm-hmm. But it, all the others, he was being fed the information. It, it was crazy. I. Yeah, I don't know how I didn't watch it before, and I watched it, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is great!" 
I'm a talk Tavio. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you were expecting on that one. Yeah, I should have known. But, you know, on, on uh, things that we're talking about, things we've seen or heard, dude, I can't get enough of Eskimo Cowboy. Like, shout out to Eskimo Cowboy. Oh, All yeah, their dude. shit are bangers <laughs> lately. All of their songs, dude. They just come out with that video, Pump It. Their videos yeah. are not only hilarious, but the music is just. Um, it's so good. Chef's what Kiss. What is that? What is that? You've, heard, you've definitely heard me listening to it. There's no way you haven't. There's absolutely a way I have not. Mm. We would play it, but then we'd be copyrighted out of yeah. this, but, this, this universe. But if you guys, uh, if anyone out there knows Eskimo Callboy, even though they're German, let them know that I love them and I need them to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, it looks like a pump it and hypa hypa. They're like cut to do the same cloth. Yeah. Like they kept the same mustaches. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> the music videos are hilarious, though. And yeah. We got the moves, man. Anyways, I, I just so good. I was listening to it right before we recorded this. And I was like, man, I love them. <laughs> yeah, there's there's something else. I got my mm. uh, hold on. <gasps> oh, bless, bless you, my child. I bless you, my I child. I couldn't hit the mute button quick enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I got my Would ops you... manager into it, who's more like into like the heavier stuff, and he's like, dude, this is fucking awesome. It's dope, dude. So many people love it. Also, you got your own theme song out of it, Caddy Daddy. Hell yeah, baby. He's talking about a whole song about driving into Cadillac. Yeah, with Caddy. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> just real quick, let's get back to uh, true crime, huh? Yeah, let's do it. I All just right. want to add to the um, intro that if my mm -hmm. phone goes off, I apologize. It's because of my Dexcom alarms. <laughs> just needed to say that. The police won't be here. It's just that. Noted. Yep. <laughs> diabetes. She has the diabetes. I, I do not have diabetes. I have hypoglycemia. The, the Dexcom says otherwise. The Dexcom <laughs> says you die, testing supplies. Shut up. All right. Anyways. Let's jump into this. Back into the 1920s. Let's get into the 20s here, shall we? New Brunswick, New Jersey, of all places. Uh, the Jersey, yeah, Jersey. Shore. Yeah, the Jersey yeah, Shore. Cabs here. Yeah, Cabs here. Going to Jersey. <laughs> What's that? What do you have that pen, Emily? It says what? Like, who hung crocodilly? Oh, yeah, Snooky. It says who hung crocodilly, and then it says cabs here. I have like three of them I have Snooky, JWoww, and Polity. Three I'm people not, that and if I'm not they proud. died today, no one would care. I would. I have their pens with their voices. Anyways, New Brunswick, uh, small suburban community in the Roaring Twenties. Where nothing really happened. Well, that was until 1922. And on the morning of September 16th, 1922, 23-year-old Raymond Schneider and his 15-year-old girlfriend, Pearl Balmer, were walking down a narrow dirt road, more commonly known as Lover's Lane. 23-year-old and his 15-year-old? Casual. Yeah, no big deal. It's the 20s, bro. Mm -hmm. Now... As they made their way towards a crabapple tree, they spotted a man and woman lying on their backs. The man was dressed well in a dark gray suit with a white shirt and a white tie, and his Panama hat was placed over his face as if to protect it from the sun, like someone was taking a nap. Mm. The woman was lying by his side with her legs crossed and her head resting on the outstretched right arm of the man next to her, with her left hand resting on his knee. She was wearing a polka dot dress and a brown scarf wrapped around her neck. And even though they looked like they were peacefully resting below this tree, the couple quickly could tell that they were dead. 
Now, they rushed to a nearby home to quickly summon the police to the murder scene, and two officers arrived about a half hour later. Turn down my piano. Richard is coming in hot today. So they rushed to a nearby home, got the police involved. 30 minutes later, two officers arrived. And the bodies were easily identified as Reverend Edward Wheeler Hall, who is a pastor of the St. John's Episcopal Church, who was well-liked and well-known in the community. Reverend Hall was married to Miss, Mrs. Sorry, there's an R in there. Francis Hall, who was seven years his senior and the daughter of one of the New Brunswick's more prominent families. And apart from them recognizing his face, the killer had also left the Reverend's business card at the scene, his calling card. Mm. And it was propped against the sole of his left shoe. Now, the woman lying next to him was 34-year-old Eleanor Mills, who sang in the choir at St. John's Church and was married to the church's sexton, who like took care of the, the building. Like yeah, uh, James E. Mills. So wait, so these people weren't even married to each other? They were just laying there with each mm-hmm. other? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Also, so this Frances Lee, she was um, very well known in the community, and she was super rich. Why yes. is she married to a pastor? <clears throat> I don't know, man. It seems kind of odd to me, but like, I don't know. Like, there were some odd. Uh, the whole dynamic is just, yeah. yeah, the whole dynamic is just off a little bit. It seems like people are kind of just settling. Or maybe she, since she is a woman about town with her monies, maybe she's using the the reverend's uh, goodwill, you know, because he's uh, got that God image. Maybe she needs that to make her, her look better. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, because they also mentioned uh, why Eleanor had married a janitor. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But the Reverend was a bit of a womanizer Hmm. and took a liking to Eleanor and was seen around town with her. Everyone knew that they were a thing. Yeah, like an open secret. Yeah, except, of course, the Reverend's wife, Frances. I I mean, was either oblivious to it or didn't want to believe it. She didn't care. Yeah, but it was it was blatantly obvious that these two were a thing yeah and i I mean apart from eleanor he was known to go after you know the the young women in the choir and things like that it it, that's just but eleanor herself also this is not her first affair she uh i don't know if you mentioned but that guy um i want to say his name is roger or something like that the the guy who followed followed them that night she had an affair with him. Oh, there was a... I, I go into it a little bit when they talk about the the whole issue with the two kids. Yeah. Yeah, well... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she herself, she was not a f- fully faithful woman to her janitor husband. And I think it was because he was a janitor. She's like, you're just a janitor. Yeah. Well, what do you care? You have shit. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go on. <clears throat> no, you're good. Um... Yeah, and so, you know, Francis was the one that's like, well, I didn't know anything was going on. And uh, there was even one instance where Eleanor had stated that she needed to go to New York to see her dentist. Giggity. She definitely got her mouth worked on, that's for sure. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, But was seen on Broadway with none other than Reverend Hall. Mm. 
And on the night before their murders, Eleanor had called over to the Reverend's mansion and a maid picked up the phone from an upstairs office. Eleanor asked to speak to the Reverend. And at the same time that he picked up the phone, his wife from a downstairs room picked up the line as well. Now, Francis would later go on to state that, you know, she never listened to their conversation. Um, and a few moments after, uh, Reverend Hall was rushing out of the house, stating that there was something wrong with Eleanor's hospital bill and he needed to take care of it. Because prior to this, again, if people weren't privy to their quote unquote affair, he had paid for everything for Eleanor when she had to go he, to the hospital. To he, convinced, surgery, like, he convinced Francis to use her money. So she was being nice to Eleanor by doing this, even though the rumors were already flying. So he, she paid for whatever medical work she had done. And so when she called, she put down the phone, I guess, quote unquote, put down the phone. And uh, she, of course, listened to the call, right? We all, we can all agree that she listened to that phone call when Eleanor was like, hey, I'm feeling better. Come do me. Yeah. yeah. Do me, yeah. do me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she. it's crazy because Francis put up the money for this. So uh, when um, the Reverend was like, hey, I got to go help her sort out some bills. Yeah. I'll be back. Red, don't red don't flags. That's like a normal thing for him to just say, hey, I have to go take care of someone else's bills and leave the house well they they were it was their money so they he would yeah i don't know but she was like uh do you need me to come with you or whatever he's like no don't you know have to she's like, she's like okay I'll, I'll just play some solitaire he's like no no you you go to bed you don't need to play solitaire until i come back it's fine you know don't wait up play solitaire. Don't wait up. <laughs> no but she, 1921 what is she gonna do yeah that's what they played back then and uh, so once he rushed out, he was seen heading by other witnesses uh, to a bench on the far end of uh, Bugalow Park, which is the nearby park. And that was the known meeting spot for him and Eleanor. And around the same time, Eleanor was leaving her apartment where he, he, her, where her and her she. husband, where her, Eleanor, yeah, okay. she, and her husband... Uh, we're having a rough night. And when her husband asked where she was going, she stated, Follow me and find out. Can I get some more grit in that? Fucking follow me and find out. Thank you. <laughs> Later, Eleanor was seen heading to the park as well. And this was the last time they would both be seen alive. Even though their bodies looked like they were peacefully resting underneath that tree, the couple had been murdered violently. An autopsy would reveal that the Reverend had been shot point blank with a 32 caliber pistol. The bullet had entered his head near the right temple and came out of the back on the left side. Eleanor, on the other hand, had been shot three times in the head. One of the bullets entered the woman's forehead about two inches above the nose. Another plowed through the right cheek and the third pierced the right temple. Now, this is the rough part right here. Is, when I first heard this man, I was like, holy shit. Someone uh, hated this woman. Yes. Yeah. So one through the forehead, like straight right above the, the nose. Mm -hmm. Right cheek, and then the third pierced the right temple. Mm -hmm. And if the three gunshots to the head weren't enough, when they removed the scarf covering her neck, they would see that her throat had been cut. Initially saw just a bunch of maggots, yeah, uh, coming from her neck wound, and she was basically cut from ear to ear. Yep. 
um, when they Wait, would further in, what's that? How long were they laying there again? Um, it was oh, probably, okay. yeah, probably a little bit less than 12 hours, maybe. She already had maggots? Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. When they removed the scarf, there's just a bunch of maggots. But then <laughs> when the maggots removed, the cut was from ear to ear. Yeah, ear to ear. And it was so deep that her jugular vein, windpipe, esophagus, and her neck muscles were completely severed. And her backbone could easily be seen. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Now, why would someone want this couple murdered in such a brutal and poetic fashion? Oh, yeah, because also around their body was scattered all of their love letters to each other, mm-hmm. ripped up, like all around them. Yeah, littered. Yep. And uh, it was just a remnants of the love letters that were exchanged for who knows how long prior to yeah. their death between the Reverend and Eleanor. And one was from Eleanor that read, Sweetheart, my true heart, I know there are girls with more shapely bodies but i'm not caring what they have i have the greatest part of all blessings a noble man's deep true and eternal love how impatient i am and will be i want to look up into your sorry i want to look up into your dear face for hours as i touch as you touch my body close the replies from the reverend were equally ardent Darling, Wonderheart, uh, I just want to crush you for two hours. I want to see you Friday night alone by our road, where we can let out unrestrained that universe of joy and happiness we call ours. Signed, Dana True Leibhaber, that true lover. Yeah. Dana True Leibhaber, Jordan. <laughs> some boostings. I, yeah, he was giving us your boostings. Yeah, I'm going to boost you. <laughs> yeah, he's that's how he signed it. Just a German thy true lover. Um, yeah, I mean they were uh and this was just you know, one instance of their uh love letters where some yeah, were countless, like countless love letters to each other. Yeah, some were poetic and some were um I'm gonna can't wait to do you dog I can't wait to, the crab yeah, apple I, tree. I, yeah, I just wanna crush you for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Who says that? I've said it. Oh, love Haba. And just like in most cases uh, we cover around this era, and I mean, even. Yeah, let's not sugarcoat it today. Yeah. Yeah. Today, uh, the police did a terrible job of protecting the crime scene. They actually allowed a reporter in who promptly picked up the Reverend's calling card. Just. Mm -hmm. You don't need this. You don't need this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't need this, right? Um, also to note was that the crime scene itself was between, um, ad- like, <clears throat> I don't want to say between adjoining, but uh, the first responders, so like the New Brunswick showed up, but it was actually part of like Somerset County. And so mm. you had two jurisdictions showing up at a crime scene uh, and basically doing a dick measuring contest. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, who's, who's, who's swinging their dick more? Yeah, who's going to take over? Uh, the scene and 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 head the investigation, which would eventually plague the case down the road. It it just it, it got so muddled. Um, and once word got out about the murders, a sea of onlookers quickly arrived at the crime scene, started taking mementos, um, actually stripping bark from the crab apple tree, hmm. trampling the grass surrounding the crime scene, 
and, and just overall just tarnishing the... yeah we've seen we've seen a lot of this before, especially in the earlier uh like in history crime scenes we've done the Velisca, you know even the osage murders we talked about like all of them were just not contained at all oh no well the sage ones were crazy because they did field autopsies back then <laughs> like yeah. what are you saying i um, needed olivia vincent oh yeah they did svu lady mm -hmm. yeah she could have solved anything especially if it dealt with women dun dun <laughs> so, but investigators are blah, blah, <clears throat> but investigators also failed to raise prints from a the reverend's quote unquote calling card mm -hmm. and they barely searched the ground of the phillips uh farm where the bodies were found kind of in that area mm -hmm. or the abandoned farmhouse nearby they also failed to investigate the 32 caliber casings found at the crime scene and then when they sent the bodies off to the funeral homes, uh, they didn't order for autopsies to be performed, so they weren't done. What? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they fair. just completely bungled the murder investigation. The days following the discovery of the bodies, uh, the whole city quickly turned into a media circus. And reporters quickly flooded New Brunswick, eager to interview any witnesses to the murder and the widows of the victims. When reporters met up with Eleanor's husband, James Mills, he denied knowing of the affair, stating that if Eleanor was meeting with the Reverend, it must have been over church matters. Reverend uh, Hall's wife, Frances, had barricaded herself in the mansion and gave similar statements to the press regarding the potential affair, saying that she had no idea anything was going on. Bullshit. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> sorry. Sorry. I had something in my throat. Bullshit. <clears throat> there it is again. It's weird. <clears throat> I get that sometimes too. Yeah. On that following Monday, investigators from the multiple jurisdictions got together to decide who was going to do what and who was going to head the investigation. So the investigator from New Brunswick, Joseph E. Stryker, Stricker, sorry, uh, would assume command over the investigation. Um, and with little evidence to help with the case, they turned their attention back to the spouses of the victims. Now, Jim had a strong alibi as he had been doing some carpentry after Eleanor had left. And uh, following her quick departure from the apartment, he was doing carpentry and like nailing down slats and some shit. And uh, this was confirmed by witnesses because he had complained about the noise. So he's like, oh, okay. So he stopped doing that, went in, read the newspaper, and a couple hours would go by. Uh, Eleanor still had not shown up, so he went to the church to see if possibly his wife was there. Um, and when finding the church empty, he returned home. But, you know, they, he was really offended by the fact that he was grieving the loss of his wife. But, you know, the husband did it, which is pretty standard. Everyone's always like, oh, that woman died. She have a husband? It was probably him or a boyfriend or it's usually something like that. So he was super offended that they would consider that. And he actually wasn't really looked into much further, but still, like, it's crazy. Yeah, that always tends to be the, the go-to. And rightfully so, for the most part, right? You look at the spouse. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Except sure. if it's the wife. It's, it's never the wife. It's always the husband. Always. 
Always? Always. Mm. I think there'll be plenty of cases that prove otherwise, but that's okay. I mean, we're not going to cover them, though. Oh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we will. We'll call... We we'll, yeah, me and you will cover the Octavio uh, yes. murder. Yes. <laughs> and then those sirens, when we're recording, those will actually be police sirens. Yeah. We'll be alive. Yeah. Oh, I could be on cops. <laughs> Jesus, okay. <laughs> this is going into the record file. First yeah. podcast, and I'm already wanting to be on cops. Yeah. So, following the interview with Jim, investigators would then question Miss Hall, who had a similar story. After the Reverend had left, she had stayed up and played solitaire, like we said before. Yeah. Uh, but then was increasingly getting worried because her husband had not returned. She, I think it was like just past 2 a.m., went through the house, checked every nook and corner, because they lived in a mansion. It wasn't yeah. a house. They lived in a mansion. She was well off. And tried to see if, oh, maybe he came in through the back door or some, somewhere else that, you know, maybe he snuck past me and I didn't well, see not, him. not her back door. No, no, no. Definitely not her back door. Maybe. The house's back door. No, he, nah. he had a side piece. Yeah. They didn't do, they barely touched each other at this point. Yeah. He just went in through Eleanor's back door. He had a sneaky link. Got it. I don't know what that is. Let's continue. <laughs> sneaky link. <laughs> and around dawn, still unable to sleep, still no sign of her husband, she made a phone call to the New Brunswick police. Now, what raised the red flags uh, for the investigators was that she didn't call the police to report her husband missing, but to inquire if there had been any casualties reported that night. Can you imagine that phone call? Hey, have you guys found the dead body yet? I mean, is there anybody dead? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, anyone show up dead last night? No? We actually get that. You do? A lot. At the the hospital? Yes. Like, hey, is anybody dead in there? Or they'll just call and ask if they've had anyone come in with X amount of gunshot wounds, and we're like, uh, no. Should we? Oh, should we? <laughs> Are they coming now? Shall we you're wait? Talking about, you're talking about the police? No, she no. works in the ER. I work in the ER, so like their family members or friends, or if they've uh, heard gunshots in the hood, like I work, my hospital's literally in the middle of the hood. So when people call, we... The quote-unquote hood of Mississippi? All right. It's pretty bad. No, it's pretty bad, it? yeah. It's pretty, like, yeah, it's pretty bad. Like, we aren't supposed to go to our cars by ourselves. Yeah. Because there's gang members? No, because there's just sketch... Was, what what she means by hood is, is below the poverty line. I mean, whoa, so, way... So a bunch of, like, uh, like redneck white people that like to do crime? No. no. It's, it's definitely a black neighborhood. It's very old. It's an old neighborhood. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. And it was, it's been here forever. And then though, just think, you know, grandparents passed on to kids. They're then their kids who are pieces of shit millennials have taken over the whatever but yeah they'll call and specifically give information on cases and stuff like that that we're like not sure of and don't have and then bam they come to the door and it's like <laughs> funny okay. though hey do you have a guy that was shot you guys have a guy that was shot in his left arm twice and once <laughs> in the leg yes very detailed <laughs> damn. Right. But, they don't, but they don't know their names ever but still, in the context of a woman whose husband is missing saying, hey, do you guys have any dead bodies around? That's kind of suspicious. Definitely. Yes. Instead of asking, hey, is my husband in jail? Is my husband at the hospitals? No. Is, have you guys found his body? 
hey, my husband didn't come home. I would like to report him missing. Please keep an eye out for him. Not, hey, please look out for my husband's dead body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was just trying to help. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but that following morning, she called one of the Reverend's sisters to explain the situation. So her, the Reverend's sister, and one of the other sisters um, arrived at the mansion. Francis, Mrs. Hall, then called her attorney to the mansion and asked him to phone the police to report her husband missing. Again, weird. Yes. To have her attorney do it. Yeah. Now, what she failed to mention at the time uh, was that she had actually gone out that night, which was a story that was corroborated by witnesses who stated they heard gunshots around 1030 and had also seen a woman entering the mansion from the back door. <laughs> now, she confirmed after being pressed by detectives that she had gone out trying to find her husband's whereabouts accompanied by her brother, Willie. Detectives uh, also were able to inter interview the maid at the Hall Mansion, Louise Geist, who provided two interesting pieces of evidence. The first being the phone call between Eleanor and the Reverend, in which she saw Miss Hall initially pick up the phone, but would eventually hang up after the Reverend answered. So they're stating although she didn't listen to the conversation, she knew it was Eleanor who rang for the Reverend. Now, the second piece would involve Francis, Francis's brother, Willie, who was seen by the maid up early in the morning. When Geis inquired why Willie was up so early, he responded nervously. I'd rather not tell you. I'd rather have Miss Hall tell you. Geist asked, what's the matter? To which Willie answered, something terrible happened last night and Mrs. Hall and I had been up most of the night. He then only told Geist, Don't tell Francis I told you. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh -huh. Oh, boy. Mickey Mouse, not the case. Don't tell Francis I told you, huh? I'll fucking kill you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now, after all this information came out, uh, Willie would end up being the number one suspect. The press was like, this is our guy. No way. Yeah. They also believed uh, Willie could have done it because he had a dislike for the Reverend because the Reverend kept him on a strict allowance. Because mm. remember, they're rich. Yeah, and before they got married, um, Willie, which we'll probably get into a little bit, is um, he needs people. Yeah, he's special needs in a way. Um, I think we'll probably get into it, but he's kind of on the spectrum in today's terms. Um, but his sister, so they had, there's three, three of the Francis's brothers and one woman, the, uh, Francis. She would keep Willie with him because he couldn't hold down a job. And that's actually how they met. Uh, Francis came up to the Reverend and was like, hey, I have a brother. I don't, know, I don't know what to do with him. He can't hold down a job. I don't know what's wrong with him. Uh, maybe you can help me out. And so she invited him to dinner and then they just started dating from there. But that's kind of how it was. Willie was just living in the house with them. So, and then when they, when they got married, uh, the Reverend was like, Hey, so uh, we're married now. You can go ahead and leave. He's go like, don't be off. silly. Don't be silly. We're going to live here together forever. <laughs> you know. And then Francis was like, yeah, he's not going anywhere. So the fact that the Reverend wanted him out and was like, kind of like uh, pulling the chain on his leash a little bit to like cut him off. He did not appreciate that at all. Definitely yeah. had motive. Yeah. 
There is a lot of motive there. Mm-hmm. Now, reporters uh, would also speak to the captain at the local fire station, Engine 3. Because, again, I don't go into much detail, but they assume that Willie had Asperger's. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would go to the local engine company, Engine 3, and hang out with the firefighters. He'd wear their helmet and polish up all the... food, bring them steaks and stuff. Yeah, polish up all the... Polish all their knobs. Yeah, polish their knobs. (laughs) (laughs) Hang their hose. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Rub on their pole. You know, the one they used to get out fast. Yeah, no, polish polish their fire poles. Yeah. Uh, Kept himself busy. That's what we're trying to say. He didn't have a job, but he kept himself busy. Like to get his hands dirty, but he, the reporters would go speak to the captain at uh, Engine Three, where Willie liked to hang out. And the captain reported that Willie had revealed to him the day before the bodies were discovered that something big is going on. Oh wait, sorry. Something big is going to pop. You'll hear about it later. Oh, so confused. About- I, I'm, originally, I was basing the character off of, of Mice and Men. Uh, just like, kind of like a bigger guy, but dumb. Yeah. But then it just turned like into it. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <clears throat> so basically, Willie told the the captain, like, something's going to happen. You're going to hear about it later. Yeah. That's what they, he revealed to the reporters. Now, two days after the discovery of the bodies, um, the funerals took place. Reverend Hall's ceremony was held at, of course, St. John's. Yeah. Episcopal Church with an attendance of uh, around 200 people, mostly women. Mostly women. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. And then his body would eventually be laid to rest in Brooklyn. Now, Eleanor's service was held at the local funeral home with very minimal attendance. Francis, sending her regards, uh, sent a wreath to the service. And then Eleanor was laid to rest at a local cemetery. Yeah, cemetery. But yeah, cemetery. You, <laughs> cemetery. The, the Reverend is a well-respected person in this community. He comes He comes from New York. He's a city guy. And he comes to New Jersey down with the simples, simpletons <laughs> down in yeah. New Jersey from the big city. You know, that's the way they thought about it anyway. And so he's real, real well-respected. And she, Eleanor, on the other hand, she's pretty much known as a floozy. And she's just a choir girl who sleeps with people who aren't her husband. Like that's kind of known about her. So when she had a, a funeral, no one really cared, even yeah. though they died right next to each other in the same brutal way. Yeah. And again, it was a relatively small town as well. So it is what it is. She was the hoe. Now what's that? She was a hoe. No one cared. Hoe for show. Now, eight days following the discovery, um, and so anytime I mention like a date period, it's always from the discovery of the the, the bodies. Gotcha. Um, little progress is made in finding the suspect or suspects in the case. Now, Somerset County authorities announced that they were actually going to exhume the bodies to look for more evidence, and prosecutors were going to bring in Mrs. Hall and Willie Stevens to the courthouse for on the books questioning. When reporters arrived at the courthouse, Willie exclaimed, I want you fellas to understand that I don't want to be referred to as Willie anymore. You must address me as William or Mr. Stevens. 
I'm not a half-wit, as you have been saying, and I'm not a sissy. Huh? Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> now, we enter the quote-unquote mysteries of the case. And the murder weapon has since to be found. Uh, they know it's a 32 caliber based on the casings that were found at the scene. But this would be one of the enduring mysteries of the case, finding the actual murder weapon. Uh, a parishioner of the church would report seeing Reverend Hall with the 32 during a church retreat, but that was never confirmed, and they never found a 32 caliber pistol mm -hmm. in his house, uh, on his person. But it was also stated by the maid, Geist, that Willie kept a 32 pistol in a drawer in the library. Uh, this was actually confirmed by Mrs. Hall, and it was turned over to authorities. Yep. But uh, due to Willie's mental state, his Asperger's, um, Reverend Hall had actually filed down the firing pin. So it, it was an inert pistol, is what they're saying. Interesting. Yes. Now, detectives, unbeknownst to Mrs. Hall, um, had pulled Willie aside and started to, quote-unquote, interrogate him. Uh, it's more of an ass-beaten type of thing. You tell us this information. And they wanted to know um, a lot of things about how the, body was, how the bodies were found, where he was, and also the clothing that the bodies were wearing. But they couldn't get anything substantial from him, and so he was released. Mrs. Hall, not knowing that this was happening, reported her brother missing, and once she found out that detectives had been interrogating her brother, uh, immediately contacted her attorney, who was one of the best money could buy. Basically a Wall Street attorney. She had all the money in the world and said, hey, you come here, they're doing some nefarious shit, and that's when things kind of got interesting, once you have a high-profile attorney on your case. Yeah. Oh man, this is this is where like a lot of funky shit starts happening. Because uh, we're gonna start including the testimony of Ray Schneider. This is the uh, the couple mm -hmm. Raymond Schneider uh, that found the bodies when himself and his girlfriend were walking down Lover's Lane. Because prior to that, there was some talk that uh, Bomber's father was out trying to kill him because he was dating his underage daughter. And I think he had his uh, brothers out there with him. Mm. And uh, Snyder was out with a man named Clifford Hayes. And they were out looking for the bombers who were out looking for them. So mm. they could have just met up and handled this. That would have been better. Mm. You would think. Also, it was I kinda, it was Dahmer when you say bomber. The bombers. So um, Schneider and uh, Hayes ended up seeing uh, the bombers near Bungalow Park, uh, but lost sight of them, and they continued following the road, which would end up going kind of down the Lover's Lane area, just these like small dirt roads. Yeah. And they saw a couple standing in the darkness, and this is when per Schneider, um, they kind of both agreed like, hey, that's them. And Hayes, thinking it was bombers, shot three or four times, accidentally killing the Reverend and Eleanor. Shit. Now, this was 
when this information came out, this quote-unquote confession, um, it was widely disputed by the media because Hayes didn't have any trouble with the law growing up. He wasn't a violent type, but it also doesn't fit how the bodies were found. Right? If you shoot two people accidentally, how do they wind up posed? Now, Schneider would end up admitting that he had made it up because um, he's being held as a key witness. Both of them were detained. Hayes was being detained for the murder charges. Schneider was the key witness. And uh, they had a prosecutor come in and, and uh, Schneider still wasn't giving. So uh, he's like, all right, I know you're fucking lying. Like he turned down the lights and they basically whispered so no one else could hear what they were talking about. And Schneider said, yeah, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just making this up. I had nothing to, we didn't have anything to do with this. Hmm. And so the judge released Hayes and then released Schneider, but then charged him with perjury and statutory rape. Good. Nice. Yeah. So they had a plan. Kind of. Who had a plan? The Well, the judge just said like, hey, thanks for coming clean, but we're going to get you for fucking lying to us. And also you're dating an underage 15 yeah. year old so here's your statutory rape charge sir yeah yeah it ended up coming back to him definitely now a month following the murders investigators were still no closer in solving the case and uh the governor was going to appoint a new special investigator to oversee the case they also brought back in mrs hale willie and someone who was new to the case willie's older brother henry Investigators had found two handkerchiefs at the crime scene, um, bloodied handkerchief, handkerchiefs, handkerchiefs. How do you guys say them down there? Handkerchiefs. No, 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 no. Handkerchiefs. handkerchiefs. Hold on, stop. Handkerchief. 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 I don't. I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I'm gonna go with handkerchiefs. I think mm. it's shift. I think you're right. It's just a weird word. Um. And one of the handkerchiefs that they found at the scene had a letter S on it. Again, and you have to remember, like, it's, it's like those olden times that my grandpa used to carry them around. They would just have these handkerchiefs in their pocket, and when they have to blow their nose, they'd blow into it and then put it back in their pocket. Like, yeah, that hurts me just, out so bad. Yeah, and they would just wash them. But they would have them, uh, like, embroidered with their initials and things like that. So they found one at the scene of the crime. It had an S on it. And... What's that? For Superman? Yeah, Superman. Yeah, yeah. I think it was for uh, Stevens, their last name. Um, and they asked Henry when they brought all three of them back in uh, for questioning. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I own some. And yeah, they have the letter S on it. And they're like, hmm, interesting. Now, mm -hmm. when it was Mrs. Hall's turn to be questioned, they asked her to wear the same gray coat she had worn on the night before the murders. And then they brought in a woman in wrinkled clothing who just looked at Mrs. Hall for a couple minutes and then walked out. Why? No questions. Just, hey, wear the coat that you wore that night <clears throat> before the murders. All right, just stand here. It'll be important later. It's awkward. Yeah, it is. Now, Somerset prosecutors would soon reveal that they actually had an eyewitness to the murders a local socialite who belonged to Reverend Hall's church. And the media went crazy knowing that 
holy shit, we're going to have an indictment soon. They found an actual eyewitness to the murders because this has been going on for a long time. And they had no new information. All of a sudden, they're like, holy shit, you guys have an eyewitness to the murder? But then shortly after, uh, on Monday, the governor announced his move on assigning the new uh, prosecution for the case. Wilbert A. Uh, Mott was his name. What was that? Wilbert A. Mott was the new prosecutor. Oh, okay. So now when the eyewitness was finally revealed, it actually wasn't a socialite from the church, but a weathered 52-year-old pig farmer named oh, they Jane did. Gibson. They did this woman. They did this woman dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got it bad. <laughs> yeah, she... Emily, I don't know if you're ready for, for what the media did to this woman from I'm the not. beginning. Not. I didn't read any. I didn't read anything, so I don't know. Yeah, her name is Jane Gibson. She owned a farm about a mile away from uh, the crime scene and would be referred to and given the nickname by the media as the pig woman. The whole time, just referred to as the pig woman. Yeah, not Jane Gibson. Jane, pig woman. Gibson. Pig woman. That's horrible. Yeah, because she owned a she pig owned farm. a pig farm. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, you're the pig woman. <laughs> no, my name's Jane. Sorry, pig woman. What was that? I'm sorry. What was that? Now, this was the same woman who was brought in to study Mrs. Hall in the courthouse in her gray coat. Mm. That was the the prevalence of it. It yeah. wasn't some random person. It was the pig woman who was the eyewitness. Many would state that the pig woman was a kook, but a lot of the details that she uh, brought to the uh, the courthouse and the, the prosecution and during her testimony were known to be true. And the night of the murder, she let her dog out and saw a figure of a man slinking through her cornfields and ran to her barn to get her mule and rode after the man down Lover's Lane. The mule's name was Jenny. Yeah. Jenny. She rode, she rode Jenny down to Lover's Lane. Lover's Lane. Uh, eventually lost sight of the man, but still slowly continued um, in the direction that he was traveling. When she got closer, she overheard some arguing. She crept up and saw the silhouettes of four figures in the darkness. And they began shouting at one another. She recalled that there were two men and two women. And after some arguing, began to fight. And when she heard the shots break out, four of them, one shot came first. And a man fell to the ground. A woman began screaming. Don't, don't, don't. Three more shots. And a woman fell. The other woman put her hands on the last man standing and said, Oh, Henry. At that point, Miss Gibson was already fleeing from the scene. When investigators asked if Miss Gibson could identify Mrs. Hall at the scene of the crime after she had studied her that day in the courthouse, she stated that uh, as she was riding the mule, Jenny, down Lover's Lane, it dead-ended, <laughs> and a car was approaching, making a turn, and the headlights illuminated two people walking to the spot where the murders would take place, a man and a woman. The woman was wearing a light gray knee-length coat. It was Mrs. Hall, and she was certain. And the male with her was Willie Stevens, her brother. And she could tell by his features because he had pretty distinct features, 
in their words, Negro features, but the way his hair grew, um, it, it was pretty easy to identify. It's good, I guess, that he's distinct. Yeah. Uh, Miss Gibson started adding more information to her testimony before the shots were fired. She heard a female ask, How do you explain these notes? Before he was shot in the head. Eleanor would flee and hide in a nearby bush where the killers would find her with a flashlight, drag her back to the reverend's body where she was then shot. Three times. Though. Why? That's well, and we'll get into it, but this is debated, but the fact that she was paid more attention to really kind of plays into this theory of who done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Single shot for him. Yeah. Triple shot and for the, her. And, and a, what is it called? A Glasgow smile? Yeah. Yeah, she was... Uh, he was ex- executed. She mm-hmm. was brutally murdered. Yeah. Um, and so Miss Gibson stated that um, following that uh, encounter, uh, she returned back to the crime scene around 1 a.m. because she was trying to find a moccasin that she had lost when she witnessed this whole thing and in her attempt to flee, she realized, Oh shit, I lost one of my moccasins. And when she came back to the spot, she saw Mrs. Hall kneeling over the body of the Reverend sobbing. Now, after digging deeper into the pig woman's past, they found that her last name wasn't actually Gibson, but she claimed the farm she owned was owned by a Gibson. And so she changed her name to avoid any confusion. They also took note of the moments during the murder where she heard the woman say, Oh, Henry. And although she had already identified Willie as being present at the scene with Mrs. Hull, this meant that this Henry had to be one that pulled the trigger. It wasn't Mrs. Hall that pulled it. It was Henry had to be the one that pulled the trigger. And so authorities knowing, Hey, Willie has a brother. Mrs. Hale has a brother named Henry, lived in a nearby town of uh, Lavalette, so they went down there to question Henry, who had his own alibi for his whereabouts. He said that he was fishing that night and uh, helped a couple others pull in their fish and had his own diary to prove it. He also provided 10 names to prove his whereabouts, and all 10 people confirmed that he remained in Lavalette that night. That's a little excessive. What, 10 ten people? 10 people and a diary to prove it. Mm-hmm. But even then, the diary, like, you can just write yeah, it down. There's no, yeah, there's no, there's no yeah. time stamp on that. Yeah, there's no time. Like, also, it's not like a Facebook post where you're like, hold on a second. You, did this. you can check the time and date. You sent it from iPhone. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, come on. Most people can't even, like, come up with, like, two people who could, you know, corroborate their story. Like, that's. Well, these are wealthy. These are people about town. They're wealthy. So they have friends. It's, it still doesn't prove a whole bunch because of that reason, I think. That's what I'm saying. Those 10 people are liars. Yeah, it's very possible, honestly. But I, I think, well, we'll get into what we think happened at the end. But uh, I don't I don't think Henry really had anything to do with it. I think it was really. Yeah. I don't know it. We will see. 
Now, Investigator Mott, seeing that Henry Stevens was probably not involved in the murder case um, because of his pretty strong alibi at the time. At the time, sure. Yeah. He you have find- it, dude. It's in a diary. You can't negate that he wrote it yeah. down, dude. He wrote it down, dude. I was catching fish, bro. So they needed to find another Henry. And he found one. Henry mm-hmm. Carpenter. Mrs. Hall's husband. Oh, so husband. Cousin. <laughs> Let me start that sentence over again. Uh, they found one. Henry Carpenter, Mrs. Hall's cousin, who lived next door. Much better the second time around. Yeah. And was also a noted expert marksman. Hmm. Hmm. But, but Henry Carpenter had an alibi as well. He and his wife attended a dinner and left around 1030, which was about the same time that the murder had taken place. But this being the only other Henry, Investigator Mott had uh, felt that he needed to dig deeper. So he set up a sting and he would use Miss Gibson, the pig woman, uh, to identify Henry Carpenter as the man that pulled the trigger. They set up at a nearby train station where he would go and leave for work and told Miss Gibson that if she recognized anyone to write down their license plate. Oh, please can you use pig woman. Okay. It's not, it's Sorry. Miss Gibson's not her name. It's pig, yeah, woman. pig woman. Sorry. Told, uh, Miss pig woman. That if she recognized anyone, <laughs> Thank you. you made it so proper, Miss Pig Woman, <laughs> not pig just woman. Pig Woman. Yeah, Miss Pig Woman. Uh, I would, but I know. I like Pig Woman. <laughs> That's nice. Seems so much, so much nastier. So as they were waiting, uh, twelve men would arrive, park their car, rush into the train station, and the thirteenth one to arrive. Miss Pigwoman recognized him and wrote down the license plate. It was Henry Carpenter's. Hmm. Now, Investigator Mott was elated. It's like, hell yeah, dude. We got enough evidence to go before the grand jury. But the Somerset grand jury couldn't be convened unless they had an order from the Chief Justice who was vacationing in Cuba. Really? And, and wouldn't be back till November. Who the fuck vacations in Cuba? Well, that's not even the problem. Like, the problem is they can't have anyone else order this? Nope. Well, it was 19 nothing, and they had no other judge, probably. Yeah, so they had to wait. And as they waited, uh, the story that the pig woman gave was starting to unravel. Nellie Russell, who is a steamstress and neighbor to Miss Pigwoman, would refute that Miss Pigwoman could be present at the scene of the murders because she was visiting Miss Russell at her home. But again, the shit gets really funky because the two didn't really get along. And there were times where they would call the cops on one another for uh, Miss Piggy would call the cops on Miss Russell for mistreating her livestock. And it was just this whole fucking thing. They didn't get along with each other <clears throat> and would call each other out on their own bullshit. And it was difficult to determine who was actually telling the truth. Finally, the grand jury was convened and the trial began. After three days of proceedings, they finally brought in Miss Pigwoman, who gave her testimony and walked right past Mrs. Hall on her way in and also on her way out. But Mrs. Hall was never brought up for testimony. Mm. 
Now, there were a total of five days of the secret testimony before they were ready to give their indictment. The foreman produced his statement. Are you ready, ladies and gentlemen? Very. For reasons which to them seem sufficient and controlling, the grand jury took no action on the Halls Mills murder case and laid the matter over. This does not necessarily mean that the matter cannot be taken up by this or a subsequent grand jury. Very professional. Thank you. Very. I meant to give that to someone and I just remembered right now. Oh, no, you should, I guess, no, you guess I'm you know, every, Everything happens for a reason and that was why you did great. Oh, thank you. It, it was beautiful. Oh, thanks. And so after a 10 week investigation, not a single person was being indicted. Good. And this all falls to one conclusion. The jury did not believe the pig woman. Is that because of her reputation, right? And because of who she is as a person? Yes. Yes. With, uh, and I'll talk about it a little bit later when it goes into the, the, the second opening of the, the, the mm -hmm. case. Um, yeah, yeah. They just couldn't trust her. Like, hold on, but your name, your last name is not Gibson. Well, no, uh, uh, this and that. They were, they couldn't. They, she gave several versions of events as well. Every time she's like, oh, yeah, and then this. And oh, yeah, then this. So it was not only yeah, that. But to, it, uh, yeah, she liked to um, add a little drama to the yeah, storytelling. Flair, yeah. Um, and so it just, they, they didn't believe her. And so they just said, nope, we can't indict anyone. It's the pig thing. Yeah, the fact they definitely the, the media definitely added to her not her her credibility or lack of credibility, I should say, by calling her not Jane Gibson, but Pig Woman. Like the media fully gave into that. And you know, that whether we want to know it or believe it or not, the media has influence over people and it's stupid. And also Nellie Russell obviously has more status in society to be able to say things to make them kind of not believe her yeah she wasn't the pig one but again <laughs> looking, when you look at uh when they were getting each other's um like statements like they fucking hate each other yeah i want to say and they like, hate each other they just because uh pig woman actually helped try and find her dog and things like that it, but it they weren't cordial neighbors i guess for the most part and so yeah. it was like well can we believe uh uh, Miss Russell's statement, or do we believe Pig Woman's statement? It's it, it also had a lot to do with like Pig Woman versus not just the other woman, but Frances herself, Frances Stevens. She's a very important person. So she has a lot of money. She's given a lot of money to a lot of different things in the town, and you know it's Pig Woman versus Frances Stevens, the widower. Like you want to believe her pain, and she's just a pig woman. So you know there's that too. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of, it's funny to me because right after uh, the conclusion to the first trial where the, they didn't even get it past the grand jury, uh, Miss Stevens disappeared for a year overseas. She's gone. Took a vacation for a whole year. Mm -hmm. Just fucking bounced. And uh, the husband was left to, wait, he did he, he stayed, didn't he? After the first grand uh, jury thing? Uh, Jim? Yeah, Jim, that's his name. He stayed, right? As far as I know, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see anything yeah. about. I, I just know about her. She vacationed uh, for a year across. Yeah, booking it, but not, not Jim. Yeah, I don't think he was just, rich enough. He was just a, a janitor. Yeah. But to me, like the especially the way it was presented in the book, it kind of seemed like 
it, it almost added to the thought that she is guilty that she's like ah oh, fuck it i'm i'm cleared my name is clear let's go on vacation for yeah. a whole year so you guys can forget about this mm -hmm. anyways yeah, until four, on. yeah until four years later yep <clears throat> new infinite new information would reveal itself and apparently the maid mrs geist who would marry and then during i don't know if it's like a divorce thing i can't it, no, what it was a, it was a divorce um, to I want to say Roy guys, uh, Roy or Roger. He's important. He's super important. I can't remember his name is because it's either Roger or Roy, but she's married to this dude. Yeah. Right. And in the divorce proceeding, he um, tells the court in official documents that Mrs. Geist admitted to certain things that you're probably about to get into. But yeah, this was all brought up because of a fucking terrible divorce. And then the guy was petty enough to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, she told me that she knows more than she let on. Yeah. Well, yeah. And one of those being she took $500,000 $5, to keep quiet. Oh, took, yeah. It's crazy. Took bribe money. Like, she accepted 5 k to keep quiet because. That would be a lot. Well, this is well, let's do the yeah, Let's do the math real quick. Let's look it up. You can talk about oh, that. What's the inflation uh, you, rate? Yeah, so you can talk. I'll, I'll, I'll even if it is, oh, even one thing. Highly inflated. I still think, like, I mean, come on. It's a good amount of money. But, and again, she's a maid. No, one thing I want to bring up, and, and when he talks about, like, the court versus um, a high ranked person, it reminds me of the confession killer. And those that haven't seen <laughs> oh, it, yeah. uh, watch it. But there's a, a, a point in the series where um, it was. I don't know if it was a sheriff or it was a higher up with a, with one of the law enforcement agencies, like a lieutenant or a captain or something. It was a captain. Um, it was a his, captain. His, yeah. His kid murdered uh, a clerk at a convenience store or like a yeah. gas station hmm. and witnesses stated he saw him there. Like a hundred percent, all of the evidence shows that he was guilty and he was convicted for the murder case until the confession killer what was his last name. Henry, Lee Lucas. Henry Lee Lucas. Henry Lee Lucas waltzed into the courtroom and confessed to the murder with no evidence proving that he was even there. Just confessed, like, no, I did it. And the kid got off. Which is insane. He like, got off. There's like, oh, okay, no, no, yeah, you did it. You did it. Okay, yeah, let the kid off. And then even uh, said later, like, oh, yeah, no, why did you confess to that? He's like, well, I was I was at the the... The jail because he got to roam free in this fucking jail um he overheard it and uh he's like oh well i can confess to that and they're like cool yeah no that would be awesome and so he confessed to the murder of the convenience store clerk and he took the blame and the cop's kid got off scot-free well bringing it back to this case uh five thousand dollars in today's money is seventy seven thousand two hundred and sixty dollars that's good amount shit. of money nope <clears throat> What? Come on, you you wouldn't take seventy seven k to keep your mouth shut about? Mm, probably not. Because, but 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 but, not necessarily regarding the murder, regarding the activity that was happening prior to the murder. So yeah, her information yeah. was that he, she knew that the Reverend had planned to elope with Eleanor. Yeah, I would keep that. She was keeping that quiet, you. like, oh no no no, I know he's going to go elope, you know, tomorrow morning, like, or tonight. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Do that. Good amount of money. <clears throat> and so this was the quote unquote new evidence that prosecutors used to reopen the case. Uh, but was there, what actual new evidence did they find after arresting Mrs. Hall for it? Uh, well, None. let's see. Oh, okay. <laughs> like quote unquote new evidence. None other than like, Oh, this 5k to keep quiet about a elopement. Which There's nothing else. Circumstantial at best. Exactly. They basically like that. This came to the prosecutor's hands and they're like, Oh sweet. So they convinced the, the overseeing judge at the time to reopen the case based off quote unquote new evidence, but then they couldn't provide new evidence. It was the diary, probably someone else's. Yeah. yeah. But they arrested her. She posted bail, returned back to her mansion. And this was turning into more of a politically driven reopening of the case than one of new evidence because they still hadn't found the murderer yet. Was this, wait, I'm going to take a wild guess. This is during election season. Probably. Yeah. Yes, it was. Probably. They, they, they were trying to, they, they just really wanted to find someone. And again, this goes hand in hand with the confession killer because they, they just wanted to find a scapegoat to close the murder cases. They were reopening this to like, hey, we got to find some, we can't leave this hanging. Um, and so once they found this quote unquote new evidence, uh, they quickly arrested Willie Stevens and Henry Carpenter, who pleaded not guilty when they were arraigned in court. Now the media was excited, excited for the following bail hearing and the events to follow. Oh, shit, well, yeah, speaking of, speaking of the media, like this, the media ate this up because this was, first of all, 1920s, not really a lot of stuff going on, but like not really, and especially in New Jersey. So the media really ran with this, like the prim and proper reverend with the, you know, cheating on the the rich woman with the choir girl. Like it was just headline yeah. after headline. There was just juicy fucking information to them. So they really, really like, they're like, Oh, you're reopening it. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy, quick money for them. Yeah. It was like, this was like front page news for ever. Like it, it was very hard to get this off the front page. You know what I'm saying? And so they were excited for this bail hearing. They're like, shit, we're going to get some juicy stuff out of here. Uh, Mrs. Hall paid for the best attorneys money could buy. And by their testimony, and I kind of redacted a little bit, not redacted, but I kind of shortened it a little bit. But um, basically what they're saying is uh, there was no evidence of premeditation. You can't prove that there was premeditated murder. Uh, that she, yes, confronted the couple regarding the affair and they started arguing and Henry just instinctively shot the couple and that Mrs. Hall had placed the reverend's calling card at the scene to show that he wasn't some near-to-well, but actually the pillar of New Brunswick. He was, you know, a good man. That was the reason why she placed his card there. So it's easily recognized. This was not premeditated. That's what they're saying. Yeah. But they took the time to take these notes and letters, bring them to the scene, rip them up. Well, she didn't do that. But I mean, still. Like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, whoever it was. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. She just confronted them, and then just Henry shot him, and that was it. 
and she no placed, one he letters. placed a card there to know like hey this is the reverend like he's a good man sweetheart yeah. uh a new autopsy would reveal that eleanor's tongue and larynx have been cut out with some new bit of information there for you that is, that is new information yeah how that was missed on the first roundabout no one well, knows, but well we do because they didn't do an autopsy they, yeah. yeah they exhumed the bodies and you would think they would find it then? But no. no. Well, would you really open a mouth? Like, what would make you think that? No. Because that's your job. Yeah. Yeah, but they were strictly told not to in the beginning. So they did some sort of, you know, 1920s type auto autopsies. Mm. I mean, she's changed. I don't know. I don't know. She had her throat slip from ear to ear. Probably would have taken a peek in her mouth. <laughs> so on November 3rd, 1926, the trial of Francis and her two brothers, William and Henry, began. The pig woman was wheeled into the courtroom on a stretcher as she had taken ill. I think they said she got she diagnosed with cancer, dying from cancer. Something it was something serious. The, the, yeah. It was, really it was a super, you're saying that she likes to be dramatic, but it was super, like, uh, so she was hospitalized and this was a big, a big to do, right? So they had this court case as fucking. She was the main, like she was the, the shining star of the of the prosecution, and but just as she was about to give her testimony, she gets super sick, so they had to postpone the court case. And then when she's finally good enough, the doctors say she's good enough. They literally wheeled her in on a gurney and had like one doctor on one side and a nurse on the other side, saying like, "Okay, she's good to go." And then when they were done, they wheeled her back out. Yeah. <laughs> Super dramatic. Yeah. And then they mentioned during some of the court hearings, someone was yelling, liar, liar. Mm -hmm. I thought it was the, the pig woman. Mm -hmm. It was her mother. Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> a super dramatic freaking family. Did you say that she ro they rolled her like into the courtroom? Yes. Yeah. Via her, yeah. Yeah, via her hospital bed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome yeah and it, like i said it was it's not only just that but like they had like they flanked the doctor and a nurse flanked her like in the courtroom like checked her vitals and then like okay she's good to go so dumb it's funny uh we do um some transports we have to do uh like jail calls and there was one person that we had to keep taking to court and uh this inmate didn't necessarily need a gurney like this inmate could go in a in a wheelchair if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. But they wanted to go on a gurney into the court to play on the 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 emotions of the the emotions of the jury. Of and I was talking to the crew, I'm like, damn, like what was he in for? Like, oh attempted murder. Like, yeah. He had a plan. Mm-hmm. Which was funny, like because any normal person would see like, oh, they're really sick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Bless his heart. Yeah. No, he didn't mean it. Now, <laughs> the pig woman's uh, testimony would change yet again because she claimed now that she had seen both William and Henry Stevens alongside Francis. Not Henry Carpenter, she had claimed in 1922. Well, this, this is what I was talking about. Her story always changed. She literally was like the first, like, there's two people there. I saw two shadows, four people total. Two of them fell down, and the third time, so there's five people there, mm -hmm. and two of them fell down. I was like, every it's like now there's six people there, 
you know, and yeah. every time I was like, oh yeah, I saw him there. And then I saw him there, you know, and then the, the whole time she's telling her testimony here, I was like, liar, she's a liar. liar. <laughs> yeah. It was nuts. And he had the media there. It was just like, it was a circus because like you said, this also brings up the number of people she saw. If now she's claiming initially she saw four people, mm-hmm. right? She saw Francis, Willie, uh, the Reverend and Eleanor. Mm-hmm. And now she's saying she saw both brothers there with Francis along with the Reverend and Eleanor. That would make five people. Yeah. Now, some other evidence presented to the grand jury was the calling card of the Reverend, which had a partial print on it, that of Willie Stevens. But the defense, again, you have to remember the defense has the most expensive attorneys you could ever afford. Yeah. They're like, no, dude. That doesn't mean shit. There were other uh, fingerprints on this card. You can't just say because his Willie's was on it, meaning he, he was there at the scene of the crime. Because remember, the reporter picked it up. Yeah, and, and even then, like fingerprints were a thing. We've covered this before, but fingerprints were a thing. Just not like fully understood, I guess. Like they had a bare minimum understanding of it. Yeah. But but yeah, they were it just like, be like... It would be like me and you saying, hey, look at these fingerprints and see if they match. I'm like, Yeah. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> they didn't have this, the the science behind it and the technology. It was like, no, just... Is, Plus, is I mean, I, as much as as much as I hate to admit it, like going forward, I, the first time I heard that, oh, they have a fingerprint in the card. They, you know, whoever put it there, put it down. But then after like, yeah, he has a point. It could have been literally anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, if it was at the house, right? this if his calling card and i don't know it's like his business card or whatever like here mm-hmm. i'm the reverend if it was at the house yeah willie could have picked it up at some point right yeah. while it was at the house not necessarily at the crime scene so yeah <clears throat> they snuffed that out pretty pretty quickly um and they had brought up another witness that again was dismissed by the defense his name was henry dickman he was a <laughs> former state trooper <laughs> henry uh, Dick Mann, uh, former state trooper who claimed he was paid $2,500 by Henry Carpenter to drop any investigation into the murders. Hmm. But soon after finding out he had recently been released from Alcatraz because he was a military deserter. Oh, good. Uh, that didn't hold up in the case. You know, it's, it's funny to me about this case is that, you know, poor old Willie, the uh, what we would call Spectrum or even Asperger's today, he was kind of like uh, the what's that? What's the prosecutor's name? The main uh, Smith or something like that. The main guy trying to get them convicted. I forgot his name, but he uh, was like, you know what? We're we're gonna get all of the Stevens by going after the weakest link, meaning Willie, because like we said, kind of special, you know. So the, my favorite part about the whole thing was like the prosecutor kind of sucked assholes. Like he was really bad at his job, and he yeah, kept they, fumbling. They no, keep going. He kept fumbling like the cross, right? So Willie, in a in a uh, presentation that was, in my opinion, clearly rehearsed over and over again to the point where he had every word like, "This is what I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it in this tone because I am now William Stevens, not Willie. I'm you know proper. I'm a proper Stevens." So, and then so the, the right thing that the prosecutor did was like he was like, "Yo." say that again like where were you i'm gonna take me back to the beginning and he did it like twice and then he's like okay wait, wait so this start start all over and he's like 
sir, I've already said it twice. I don't want it's like, no, just 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 humor me. So then the, the defendant um, attorney was like, uh, objection. And then the the uh, judge was like, no, let, let's see. Let's see. And then Willie, then Willie was like, sir, I know what you're doing. I know that this sounds rehearsed. But honestly, I'm just telling you from my the best memory that I can from the time of the shooting until now. And everyone was like, oh, shit. Like, he's oh, fully aware her? of what's happening. And so now the previously thought of special needs William, or Willie is now William, this fucking savant who defeated the prosecutor. Like, And so all their whole prosecution, um, like, like their plan was to take down the whole family through this dumb guy. It's and now they're, it. yeah, now, now he's being like, oh, fuck. We're, I have no plan now. Shit. My only plan just destroyed me in court. I don't know. Yeah, that's funny. And I can't remember the name of the prosecutor because it kept changing. <clears throat> but they, yeah. they, they got a new one. Up. I can't find it. Yeah, they, they had a new one for um, uh, this re reopening. Someone with an S, either Stevens or Smith or something. <clears throat> the Stevens Some... was the, the brothers. It was like Smithson or something stupid. Yeah, it might be Smithson or something like that. But yeah, the dude was not all there. Like, uh, didn't really know what he was doing in the court. Like he kept getting Alexander like, Simpson. Simpson. Simpson, that's his name. Simpson, Samson Knight, way off. Way off. Yeah. So after all Good that, call. this was a month-long trial, which included evidence from 157 witnesses. The jury came back with the verdict. On December 3rd, 1926, after five hours of deliberation. The jury acquitted Francis mm. Hall, William Stevens, and Henry Stevens of the murders of Reverend Edward Wheeler Hall and Eleanor Mills. Yeah, like I was saying, based on the, especially the second court case, the prosecution. <laughs> what the fuck? People's reaction to the acquittal. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that threw me off. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, Will. Sorry. <laughs> you give me gunshots and screams on a soundboard. I'm going to hit him, dude. <laughs> well, like, yeah, they cleared them all. Especially after the, the Simpson guy, he didn't do a good job, dude. He's the weakest link, especially since the defense of uh, the firing pin was was it removed or something. Uh, it was filed it's, down. Filed down. I, I think that could have been easily done afterwards. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, but it, but they were saying that, I guess, but they were saying that it, it was done prior because the Reverend did it. So I, I don't know if you could prove that. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Someone else, the fact, he's, but... he's currently dead and can't tell you whether he did it or not. Yeah, but the question remains, because what they're saying is that was Willie's gun, but what about Henry? Mm. Mm. Did Henry have a gun? Because they never found the gun. And there's the murder so many weapon itself spins on it now. There's so many different like theories that could go into this because none of those people are still alive. So there's been many stories that have. Okay, so from what you've heard and seen, Emily, like what do you what do you think happened? Who it was? I think Peg Woman was involved because she kept changing her story and she just suddenly decides to turn her donkey around and go back home after hearing gunshots. Like who does that? You're not going to tell anybody. You're going to like see what happens if this is such a small town and you're really concerned about your neighbors or whatever. 
also I think her neighbor hates her, but also likes her because her pigs shit on her lawn. And that's not, <laughs> she's not down with that. I think it's super weird that they specifically state this crab apple tree, like that matters what type of apple it is. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of gunshots were heard that possibly were not the correct amount. She presumed they were dead at the very beginning without any investigation at all. This weird diary and 10 witnesses, all these people have like a shit show of alibis. None of it makes sense. So you, you're saying it could be like anybody? I literally think they all did it. They probably are. <laughs> the whole best. town. Everyone took a shot. Yeah, they're, they're, prob- they're probably polygamists and they all live together. Oh my God. Will, please. They all did it. Yeah. They all did it. All of them. They all have similar names too, like something. They're probably all related. Every one of them. Okay, well, what I think happened is that uh, Eleanor and Reverend, they were going to meet up. And like she said, um, follow me if you want. But like I said, the, the Geist guy, the Roy Geist, whatever, he plays a bigger part than we really mentioned in this. He was listening. He was because he was obsessed with her. He was like, if, because like I said, he had, she had an affair with him before the Reverend. And so when she broke it off with him and said that, I don't want to have an affair with you anymore. He took it personal and he would like stalk her. And so I think what happened was that he was stalking her that night and he saw the Reverend and uh, Eleanor underneath the tree, right? Or at least going to it. So he ran and he, and he uh, told Francis uh, Stevens about it, right? And so, and so she, um, they went together. Her and Roy went to go see, and she, like, she already knew that they were there, so she went to go check the um, Eleanor's house. And when she wasn't there, and the, Jim was like, I, "She was here, supposed to be with the Reverend, where over there with you." So she went to go look. Anyway, so Roy led her to where they were, and yes, she had all the letters. And or maybe they had them on them on their persons and she found them and she that's when they was like, okay, what what is all these letters about then if nothing's going on here? And the gun went off. And then when she saw that her husband was dead, she destroyed um Eleanor viciously. Hmm. I don't think she pulled the trigger necessarily. <clears throat> no, I don't think she <laughs> I, think, I she... think she pulled the trigger. No, yeah. she didn't, but she did have I think that she was heavily involved. Yeah, she was definitely there. I think that's what happened. I think it was, she didn't go there. So it wasn't premeditated. She didn't go there with the intention of murdering them. I don't believe that. Mm-mm. You think she went there with blood and blood? I just face? feel like who the it's fuck is carrying the around? Degree. Second no, degree. Manslaughter. Second degree. Unintended manslaughter. No, like mm, the, the letter thing was tripping me out. I'm a passion, second degree. Mm, I don't know. I think the letter thing was weird. Manslaughter would be if I had a gun present and it accidentally went off and I killed someone. It depends. That would be that would be state. that would be that would be manslaughter. But if I went there the knowing they're having a freaking affair and then I killed them, that's second. That's a crime of passion. Mm. Depends on the state, I guess. But I do know that this um, reporter from there was a shit starter, and he turned this whole story into what would become many, many, many movies, years, and books of tons of different variants of who did who. 
who did what. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was sure. that that same reporter is probably the same guy who told um who found the uh divorce decrees where that guy was like, No, no, my wife, she's a piece of shit. She knows yeah. more than she lets on. I don't yeah. know why that belongs to the divorce decree, but there it is. Damien Runyon <clears throat> was the one who started all of it. Well, yeah. what do you think, Gavin? Um I don't know. <clears throat> it, the pig woman, it's hard to, yes, it's easy to discredit her, but it's also hard because she had or the right amount of shots. The right amount of shots uh, was able to distinguish based on the coat. She knew she was wearing a gray coat. Yeah. Knee length. They told her to wear it in court and she came and saw him like, oh yeah, that's her. Hmm. I, I, I don't know. I again, yes, she's probably present there uh, with the whole uh, Willie being there, but also Henry being there in the whole like, oh, Henry. I don't know. Like, it's a it's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one because was it? I think no matter whichever way we go, Francis Stevens was there. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Should that's all the, watch the Great Gatsby. That'll be the common. This is what it's based off of. Yeah. I don't watch this, The Great Gatsby. I have never seen The Great Gatsby. I've never seen it either, but I just the know Leonardo that this is... But yeah, it was definitely Great Gatsby no, was inspired. No, not The Great Gatsby by, with Leonardo DiCaprio. What are you talking about? I haven't seen that, is what I said. I'm talking about the 1925 version. I'm not. The book? The book or the movie? The book, but they've since... Oh, yeah. Earned I just yeah, know Leonardo... I just see Leonardo this. holding up the, the, the glass of champagne. Champagne. Yeah. That's all I can think in my head. <laughs> Yeah, so. All right, well. Hey. Everybody. Let us know what you think happened. Because we don't know what the fuck happened. Nobody, <laughs> still nobody knows what happened. <laughs> well, nothing, that, nothing that we can prove. Yeah. But you heard our thoughts. You got all the information on it. Let us know what you think happened. Uh, Octavio? Hit us up on our socials. Uh, send us an email at bloodthirstypod at gmail.com. Emily? And our other socials at bloodthirstypod. Facebook and Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs>